The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. I'm sharing with you the story of Christian as he escapes from the city of destruction and makes his way toward the celestial city. It's a long journey. He has had several mishaps already. At first, he didn't know where he was going, and then he was told to run to the bright light far away, and there he would find a gate, and he was to enter through that gate. But before he did that, he fell into the swamp of despond, soaking wet, muddy, and stunk. He was not a pretty sight. Today we're going to share what happened when he arrived at that door. Now again, this was written by John Bunyan. He was in prison for 12 years, and the book was written, finally published, from prison. And when he was released, he again began to preach. 1661 was the first publishing. I begin. Are you ready? So after a little while, Christian arrived at the gate. Now over the gate, there was written, Knock, and it will be opened to you. Christian knocked more than once or twice, saying, May I now enter? Will he within open to pitiful me? Though I've been an undeserving rebel. Then will I not sing his lasting praise on high. At last a very serious person came to the gate whose name was Goodwill. Goodwill asked who was there, from where he had come, and what he wanted. I'm a poor, burdened sinner, Christian said. I come from the city of destruction, but I'm going to Mount Zion so that I may be delivered from the wrath to come. I'm informed that through this gate is a way to safety. I want to know if you're willing to let me in. I'm willing with all my heart, he said, and then he opened the gate. As Christian started walking through the gate, Goodwill pulled him in roughly. Christian asked, Why did you pull me in so forcibly? Goodwill told him a little distance from this gate there stands a strong castle of which Beelzebub is the captain. From there both he and those who are with him shoot arrows at travelers who come up to this gate in order to slay poor sinners before they can enter into safety. Then said Christian, I rejoice and I tremble. So when he was safely in, the man at the gate asked him who had sent him. Christian replied, Evangelist sent me and told me to knock at the gate, as I did. And he said that you, sir, would tell me what I must do next. Goodwill told him, An open door is set before you, and no man can shut it. Now I begin to to reap the benefits of all the hazards and difficulties I've come through, Christian stated. But how is it that only you decided to come here, 
Goodwill inquired. Christian explained, Because none of my neighbors saw the danger they were in, but I saw it more and more clearly. Goodwill then asked, Did did any of them know that you were coming here? Christian told him, Yes, my wife and my children saw me start the journey and called after me to stop and return to the city of destruction. Also, some of my neighbors stood crying and calling after me to return. But I put my fingers in my ears and continued my journey to this place. But did any of them follow you to persuade you to come back? Goodwill asked. Christian answered, Yes. Two men named Obstinate and Pliable, but when they saw that they could not convince me to return, Obstinate went back, but Pliable came with me a little way. But why didn't he continue with you? Goodwill asked further. Christian explained, We traveled together until we came to the Swamp of Despond, into which we suddenly fell. It was then that my neighbor Pliable became discouraged and would not go further. As soon as he could get out of the swamp on the side next to his own house, he told me that I could possess the brave country without his company. So he went on his way, and I continued on mine. He followed after Obstinate, while I went on to this gate. Then said Goodwill, alas, poor Pliable, is in the celestial glory, it has no value to him. He considers it unworthy of the hazarding, a few difficulties. Christian sighed. I've told you the truth about Pliable. Now I must tell you the truth about myself. I'm no better than Pliable. It is true that he went back to his own house, but I also turned aside to go into the way of death, being persuaded to do so by the seductive arguments of one Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Oh, was it he who ambushed you? Goodwill asked. I can only imagine that he tried to convince you to seek ease at the hands of Mr. Legality. They are both cheats. But did you take his counsel? Yes, as far and as long as I dared, I went to find Mr. Legality until I became afraid that the mountain that stands by his house was going to fall upon my head, and I was forced to stop. That moment has been the death of many, and will be the death of many more, Goodwill said sadly. It was that you escaped. It was well that you escaped, being dashed into pieces by it. Christian went on, truly, I do not want, know what would have become of me if Evangelist had not come to my rescue that on that mountain as I stood paralyzed by my confused thoughts. It was God's mercy that he came to help me, or else I would not be standing here before you. So here I am more deserving of death by that mountain than of talking with you here. Oh, what a favor you did to me by admitting me to the entrance through the gate. Oh, we make no objections to anyone, no matter what they might have done before they come to the gate. 
they are never cast out. And now, Christian, come with me for a moment, and I will teach you about the way you must go. Look in front of you. Do you see this narrow way? That is the way you must go. It was carved out by the patriarchs and the prophets and Christ and his apostles, and it is as straight as a ruler can make it. This is the way you must go. But said Christian, are there no turnings or windings by which a stranger might lose his way? Oh, yes, there are many other ways, but they're all crooked and wide. That is how you can distinguish the right way from the wrong way. The right way is always straight and narrow. Hmm. You understand what he's saying. You know the difference between right and wrong. Your conscience tells you. The Bible tells you. But you must decide if you're going to go the straight, the narrow, or the wide, and the evil, and the wicked way. Then I saw in my dream that Christian asked goodwill to help him remove the burden that was upon his back, for as yet he had not gotten rid of it, nor could he by any measure of means get it off without help. Goodwill told him, As far as your burden, be content to bear it until you come to the place of deliverance, and once you are there, it will fall from your back by itself. Christian then began to prepare himself for the journey. As he was getting ready, Goodwill told him that after he had gone a good distance from the gate, he would come to the house of the interpreter. He was told to knock at the door of that house where he would be shown excellent things. Then Goodwill bid Christian Godspeed. After Christian departed, he went on until he came to the house of the interpreter, where he knocked over and over. At last a man came to the door and asked who was there. I want you to note something that will be all the way through this volume. When Christian came to the gate, the narrow way, he knocked and he knocked before finally the door was opened. The doors do not open easily with some simple sinner's prayer. It's much narrower than that. That sinner's prayer can take you on the broad way. It's the easy way. It's not the straight way. Bunyan wants you to come by the straight way. And so he's letting you know that you can knock and knock. You can pray and pray. You can ask and ask. But it's going to take some time to see how serious you are about whether you really want to follow Jesus on the narrow path. So now he knocks and knocks at the door. What is the house of the interpreter? It's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us all kinds of things that we'll need for this journey. And so I continue. At last a man came to the door and asked 
who was there? Sir, I'm a traveler who was told by an acquaintance of the good man of this house to come here for my profit. Therefore, I would like to speak with the master of the house. So the man called for the master of the house, who after a little time, notice again, after a little time, he came to Christian asking how he might assist him. Sir, said Christian, I'm a man who has come from the city of destruction, and I'm going to Mount Zion. I was told by the man who stands at the entrance gate to this way that if I called here, you would show me excellent things that would help me on my journey. Then said the interpreter, Come in. I will show you those things that will be very profitable to you. So he commanded his servant to light the candle, and then asked Christian to follow him to a private room. When the manservant opened the door, he revealed a picture of a very grave person hanging on the wall. This is what the man in the picture looked like. He had eyes lifted up to heaven, the best of books in his hand, the law of truth written upon his lips the world behind his back. He stood as if pleading with men, and a crown of gold hung over his head. Christian said, What does this mean? The man in the picture represents one of a thousand. He can conceive children, travail and birth with children, and nurse them himself when they are born. You see him with his eyes lifted up to heaven, the best of books in his hand, and the law of truth written on his lips. Have you guessed what the best of books is in this story? Yes, you're right. It's the Bible. All of this to show you that his work is to know and unfold dark things to sinners. You see him pleading with men the world cast behind him, and a crown hanging over his head to show you that by rejecting and despising the things of this present world for the love that he has for the master's service, he is sure to have glory as his reward in the world to come. I've shown you this picture, first because the man whom it represents is the only man authorized by the Lord of the place where you are going to be your guide in all the difficult places you will encounter on the way. So pay attention to what I've shown you and keep this picture foremost in your mind, so that if you meet with someone who doesn't resemble this picture's likeness, but who pretends to lead you in the right way, you will not follow. You will not follow him down to destruction. Then the interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him into a very large parlor that was full of dust because it was never swept. After he had reviewed a little while, the interpreter called for a man to come and sweep. Now when he began to sweep, the dust began to fly about so much it was so thick that Christian almost choked. Then said the interpreter to a woman who stood nearby, Bring water, and sprinkle the water on the floor. When she had done as requested, it was swept and cleansed very pleasantly. Then Christian asked, 
What does this mean? The interpreter answered, This parlor is the heart of a man that has never been sanctified by the sweet grace of the gospel. That word sanctified, it means made holy, made innocent, made righteous. I continue, the dust is his original sin and inward corruption that have defiled the whole man. The first man that began to sweep is the law. That woman that brought water and sprinkled is the gospel. You saw that as soon as the first man began to sweep, the dust filled the room. It filled the room so thickly that it could not be cleansed, and you almost choked on it. This is to show you that the law, instead of cleansing the heart from sin, actually revives, increases, and adds strength to it. Even though the law uncovers and forbids sin, it is powerless to conquer or to subdue it. Then you saw the woman sprinkle the room with water, after which it was so easily cleansed. This is to show you the way in which the gospel comes into the heart with its sweet and precious influence. You saw the woman clear the dust from the room by sprinkling the floor with water. This shows how sin is vanquished and subdued and the soul made clean through faith and consequently fit for the king of glory to inhabit. I also saw in my dreams that the interpreter took Christian by the hand into a little room where there were two little children, each one in his own chair. The name of the older child was Passion. The name of the younger was Patience. Passion seemed to be very discontent, but Patience was very quiet. Then Christian asked, What is the reason for this discontentment of passion. The interpreter answered, Their guardian would have them wait for the very best things until the beginning of next year. Passion wants it all now, but patience is willing to wait. Then I saw that someone came to passion and brought him a bag of treasures, pouring it out at his feet. Passion picked up the treasures, rejoicing, and laughed patience to scorn. But as I watched for a while, all the treasures either rusted or molded away, and soon he had nothing left but rust and rags. Then Christian asked the interpreter to explain more fully to him. So he said, These two lads are figures. Passion of the men of this world and patience of the men of the world that is to come. You saw that passion wanted to have it all, now, this year. In other words, the men of this world want all of their good things now, in this world, and cannot wait for their portion of good in the next world. The proverb, A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush is of more authority with them than all the divine testimonies of the of the good that is waiting in the world to come. But as you saw, passion had quickly wasted all of his treasures away and soon left with nothing but rags. 
So it will be with all such men at the end of this world. Then said Christian, Now I see that patience was the wisest for several reasons. First, because he waited for the best things. Second, because he will have the glory of his reward when the other has nothing but rags. Yes, interpreter said. And you may add another reason, which is that the glory of the next world will never wear out. Whereas the treasure that passion received was suddenly gone. As it turns out, passion had no reason to laugh at patience just because he had his good things first. In the end, patience will laugh at passion because patience will have his best things last. For first must give place to the last. The last things will finally come, and when they do, nothing will succeed or replace them. He that has his good things in this world spends and uses them up in time, but he that has his good things last has them forever. For the last things go on forever, just like it is said of the rich man, you in your lifetime received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Christian said, Oh, now I perceive that it's not best to covet things that are in the here and the now, but to wait for the things to come. You speak truly, said the interpreter. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. But even though this is so, yet the things that are present are close neighbors with our fleshly appetites, while the things that are to come are strangers to these appetites. Men will not ignore the present. Men will not ignore the present world that they can see in order to make the world they cannot see the object of their desires. Therefore, there is an immediate friendship between this world and a man's fleshly desires and a corresponding distance between carnal men and earthly things. I need to stop and explain that just a little. He's saying that worldly men want everything right now. They want their money. They want what they want. And so they spend all of their time earning money so they can buy all that their flesh desires. Well, where did that flesh come from? Well, it came at the very beginning of the world. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and turned their back on the tree of life. So what's that have to do with you? Well, do you want your video game now? Do you want all of your pleasures? Or do you want Jesus and eternity? Are you angry? Mad? 
You want to say nasty things? Or are you patient and kind? And will you listen to another? Are you going to go after what you think you want here, knowing that it will not last, that it will soon be gone, and then you'll have nothing? See, one of the truths that's so difficult for us is that we like to believe in what we see. But the truth is, we only want to believe the pleasant things we see. I've been a pastor for many years, and I've done countless numbers of funerals. They People don't want to look at the fact that all of us are going to die. But those of us who choose Jesus, who choose to turn our backs on the things of this world, who trust in Jesus for everything, who do not go out and try to create their own world. We're of another kind. We've left the city of destruction where people are going to die for eternity, and we're seeking a better place. But you can't see that better place with your eyes. You have to see it with the eyes of your heart. You have to go after it and trust Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have today. We'll pick up this story next week. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel, and you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. God bless you. I love you. Was blown.